to the Sweet 16 episode of Don't Mess With the Metro. Joined here today by most of the usual gang. Andy, nice to see you. Matt, same to you. Dan will join us shortly as he seems like he's probably recovering a little bit from his past weekend. But fear not, he will come in super hot as always. And I guess that leaves me with one question. Gentlemen, how have you treated yourself over these past few days? Uh, well, not as well as Dan has, apparently. Is that so? Yeah, it's the episode we were getting. Like, I, I can't wait for once he hops in to hear whatever ridiculous antics he was up to, because the snaps from what I saw were definitely something of the uh, ridiculous sort. Definitely he wasn't bachelor, lying. Yeah, bachelor party. He, like, sold it as pretty high billing, and it lived up to its, uh, lived up to its draft name, so to speak. Oh. Yeah, except unfortunately we don't have the official results from uh, last week's betting. So yeah, we're gonna need like transcripts of his uh, bank accounts and everything. Just be like, hey, we we need to know what all went down and all the price, like where all the money was spent, how it was spent, how much was gained, lost, everything, because those are some serious high stakes uh, gambling that he was talking about for a while there. Yeah, but what's most important? What's most important is the. Uh, Two over-unders that we met it on. You know, I tried to give him a run for his money slightly a little bit over this past weekend, but I think mine gets a little blown out of the water. But we can touch base on that if we so desire at any point in the future. But for now, we would like to move on to our first topic of the day. And one of the big news that happened over the past week was, believe it or not, there's a new CBA, and while it took a uh, four-month absence in the midst of a pandemic to get it off, they did not have to lock, lock out the players. Absolutely stunning, I know. I mean, it's just another day in 2020. The NHL had ratified a new CBA over the past week that included topics such as the Olympics, a flat salary cap, changes to free agency, and, of course, labor-free hockey over the course of the next if i'm not mistaken eight years lads or six six year extension i think it was six years i'm not sure i got i think check, it, but... it still had a year or two and then yeah it did okay then yeah so it'll then be another like in eight, eight now right in eight years we'll do another one but yeah it's, it's like premature uh or yeah preemptive basically but yeah i was surprised like as I've said through this whole thing of um, the last couple of months, for years, I always thought the NHL was the worst-run league. Somehow, they've become, like, one of the best-run leagues in the big four, like, compared to the NBA, MLB, and the NFL, all the stuff that's going on in all those leagues. Somehow, the NHL is, like, leading the pace for everything. I'm like, geez, what world, what bizarre world are we living in? This is the same NHL, NHL that had three lockouts in the past 25 years and now they've finally gotten their stuff together you live and you learn from your sakes <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i mean personally i just love the olympics i love any international hockey so amen yeah, give me anything yeah that's gonna be awesome to watch like finally get to see and it's, this is especially like a time where so much young talent is finally gonna be able to be played on the big uh on the big stage in front of like people that didn't even watch hockey or doesn't want, don't watch the NHL. 
because I remember back in 2014, a lot of my friends that never really got into like watching uh, hockey with like the NHL, they would watch hockey for the Olympics and they'd be like really hyped up over like the players on Team USA or just really surprised that Team Canada was as good as it was. And I like explained to them, yeah, this is, it's a shame that like in 2018, it didn't actually go through, but yeah, 2014 was just really fun to watch the Olympic uh, hockey. And one thing as, to make note, yeah, go ahead. And as we all saw, like the last, uh, I think 2016, when they had the World Cup of Hockey, like it was ridiculous to see. Um, I mean, it was ridiculous, but at the same time, really awesome to see the um, team North America, like under 23. That was like really fun just to watch. And then even though like USA was not that great that year, like <laughs> North America was really fun just to watch like a team of um McKinnon and Eichel, Matthews and uh, McDavid. Yeah, that was a really just <laughs> star-studded team. Like looking back, it's crazy how great that team was for you at such a young age. And another thing to touch on that makes the Olympics so great is we see a lot. Ha- we see a lot of it in the World Junior Championship. All these guys who play college hockey and they might be conference rivals, and then they come together on the same team and their teammates and all that whatnot. And then the Olympics, that just busts it up another level. And you get like pro pros from division rivals, their teammates and the talents of the past or talents of the present or teammates with the talents of the future. I mean, look, Team Canada is Team Canada is 99.99% certainly going to have Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby playing on the same roster. That's a large, that's a big future part of it too. You also have a Team Russia roster that includes Alex Ovechkin and Kirill Kaprizov. Like big age differences of, you could call them father and son as well. <laughs> well, as I was uh, speaking, it appears that our fourth man has uh, jumped in and it is nice to uh, see him at this time. Yeah, sorry guys, had a little bit of uh, drama to deal with, so yeah, seems a, like a, you, a lot came out of the weekend, I'll, I'll tell you that. I mean, it seems like you've, yeah, we, we thought there's been a lot of that within you over the past 96 hours. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give the recap at the end of the show, since I missed the beginning, but... Actually, yeah, good call on that part. Huh? One thing to touch up on with the Olympics is uh, one of the reasons in the past necessarily how players didn't go in 2018 was because... Gary Batman balked at the cost of insurance costs, which frequently gets debated with the IOC and the IIHF. And <laughs> the CSPN article says, quote unquote, lack of marketing and branding rights for the NHL. Oh, as if one of the best ways to market your sport is to, you know, send your best players to the literally the international stage. And, but alas, that's that is in the past. The recent CBA has agreed to let the players play in 2022 in Beijing and 2026 in Milan, barring is barring any uh, crazy uh, disagreements between the IOC and IIHF. But like we said, this is absolutely fabulous news for all people, whether if they watch lots of hockey or watch a little bit of hockey. And even as a kid myself, like the first time I watched the Olympics in 2010, it was just so awesome to see all the best players get together and play together face off against one another i mean it sounds super cliche but something it's only two weeks out of four years that you get to see it something you can't exactly take for granted 
Moving on to our, one of the next topics in the CBA was the flat salary cap. As you might imagine, revenues are falling in, amidst the global pandemic that is currently going on. The players and owners agreed to keep the salary cap flat at $81.5 million for the next season. And with the addition of Seattle within the, yeah, within the next couple of years, that could potentially get them back on track with their revenue levels. But one thing we touched up upon in the group chat earlier on was how a couple teams, in particular ones that are close to some of us, might be heavily affected by this flat cap. Yeah, especially non-big market teams are probably going to be affected by it, if you think about it. And the reason, it doesn't really matter regardless of what the salary cap is. They're just not going to see the larger shares of revenue that they would kind of expect. Um, So take into account your New Yorks. You have, I guess you can kind of say, like, all your original sixes are going to get you a big market. Nashville isn't going to give you as big of a market. And it's not a knock on Nashville. It's not a knock on their team at all. It's just they don't have the market share that New York does. They don't have the market. It's not super massive, but it's still growing. And then within that market, it's pretty passionate with Mm -hmm. loads of energy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not nothing against the fan base at all. Nothing against. Not at all. They don't have the market share or the the ability to drive as much revenue as easily as the bigger cities do. They don't have the ability to do it that the way that Chicago does it, the way that the New York metropolitan area, you have three teams right there that are all sharing. You're constantly bringing in revenue. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's totally different. What was that? For that, like, I, would, I would say my thing would be um, definitely the original six, like uh, those teams were definitely going to bring in the, mo- the biggest lion's share of the uh, revenue. But even like markets like Nashville and stuff, I would say they could bring in more revenue than like uh, smaller market teams. Or not only the smaller market, but um, the teams that may happen to be the little brother of the bigger teams. Like mm-hmm. a Buff- would a um, Ottawa bring in, let's say Ottawa, would they bring in as much revenue as, say, a team like St. Louis or Nashville, where they've already had like a decade fan base? We've seen them like sell out for years now, and. I mean, we saw how, like, lit Nashville was in 2017 when they were headed to the Cup. And even before then, they were, like, selling out regularly. We saw how St. Louis got last year. Like, it was bonkers. But would in Ottawa, where they don't sell out as much as, like, everyone else, would they be the same as that? Would a team like Anaheim, where it doesn't really feel like they're the biggest one in their general area, would they be able to sell out as much? And then the same thing can be said about, like, the Islanders and Devils. Like, if they're not the biggest in their uh, surrounding area, are they going to be able to contribute as much as, say, the one of those other, like, teams that may not have as much of a market presence, but at the same time be in a better area, so to speak? I think that would depend a lot on, I mean, this is going to, I mean, we kind of know this already, but it's just simply how much hockey is followed within the area. Because, for example, you could ask the exact same question about the Yankees and as well as the Mets, and you would sort of wonder, it's like, would the Mets really like bring in that much revenue from being one of the smaller market teams oh, the, in New York? Win, We bring in a market share. We just have the cheapest owners in all the sports. Well, true. But even if you guys might be regarded as sort of the, let's say, lower market team within New York, it's like a team like the Mets because it's baseball in New York, still brings in like 
a lot low, more loads of money compared to, say, like first tier market teams in like their own respective city in large part because they benefit from being a baseball team in New York. Now, hockey is still slightly different, but those are just a couple of different perspectives of which to consider. Exactly. Like the Kansas City Royals versus the Mets and the New York Islanders versus, I don't know, let's... The Blues? Yeah, well, Blues are a good example for it. I mean, regardless, it's that was kind of my, like my major point there. But And that's just for bringing in money in general. The second thing that we have to factor in is what are the team's cap hits for this upcoming year? So regardless of what the revenue you're going to bring in, that's just going to determine what decisions you your team can make financially. Now, if you don't have cap room... You're not even. You're going to be more strapped in general. So take a team like, I guess actually the Rangers would be a perfect one for this. They're a big market team who can bring in the revenue pretty sim- pretty easily, but they have a large cap hit from Shattenkirk's buyout now that they're not going to have as much flexibility because they were essentially banking on the salary cap going up. To, what was it expected to go up to? Uh, eighty-three five. Yeah, I think it was eighty-three or either eighty. 80- Two, five, or eighty-three was last I saw before this whole thing happened, and then they were like expecting with the Seattle uh, coming in that there could there were projections that in a couple of years it was going to be like eighty-eight. So that alone can also affect multiple teams. So could that even the playing field? Theoretically, yes. But at the exact same time, I think both factors need to be taken into account, and that's what's going to really t- determine and essentially drive how free agency is going to be done in the next two to three years. Well, I'm sure that will definitely take Andy off of a rod talking about salary cap and competitiveness in uh, a couple sports leagues of note. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be annoying seeing like the same teams abuse this cap uh, luck uh, as it is, and basically just get to dick ride the fact that they were like so trash for years that now they now um, yeah they basically get to take on bad contracts just because no one can like move anything with money and this is going to like really shaft teams that were like other than the rangers i think there were talks that like the canucks in preparation of this have already started shopping brock besser like that's someone that they just drafted a couple years ago who's a young budding star yeah there have been discussions of him being shopped around and to just to like either um because I think his RFA deal is up, or his either his RFA or his bridge deal is up, and they were like they're not going to be able to re-sign him for as much as they wanted to, because you know Louis Erickson exists, and Jim Benning is just going to be Jim Benning, and I, uh, it's going to be like so annoying to see like how we could have had a chance where he was playing alongside uh, Patterson and all them, but now. That's no longer we're going to get to him, Harrison Hughes, all playing together with Bo Horvat and all them in uh, in Vancouver. I can definitely see that. And Matt, jump in and like correct me if I'm a little bit wrong here. Um, on top of those like teams, you have to also take into account the salary cap demands. Because I remember we were discussing way back when that it was William Nylander who held out initially for Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if Nylander was holding out because of that contract, was it really Nylander who was holding out, or was it Dubas putting his foot down because he knew that he still had to pay Marner and Matthews? And if he gave in on Nylander, how much more were Marner and Matthews going to ask for? 
So could this be the same kind of tactic that's being pulled in Vancouver then, Andy? Because you know that you got to pay Pedersen. Well, I think you also have to look at, I mean, as much as I like Brock, he's really not, he doesn't really do as much as his perceived value would be. I think a lot of teams would pay. You're going to have a decision with RFAs in the next few years on are they really going to be the superstar they're like thought to be right now, or are they going to level out and just be this player their whole career? Because you have to pay guys on what you think they're going to be, not what they are today. And guys want to get paid on what they think they're going to be and not what they are today. So I think when you have RFAs and you have a flat cap, it's a slippery slope of like, do you want to give them eight million for eight years, or do you want to just take a first round pick and a prospect and save that eight million for your next superstar that's like actually a superstar? So I mean, me, I think he's slightly overrated, and Vancouver kind of like knows that and doesn't want to doesn't want to give him a bad contract. But I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that. Basically, trade him off. Pay Quinn Hughes Well, I'll bring up something I mentioned pre-show. Offer sheet is the name of the game when it comes to Matt Barzal. If you look at the Islanders cap situation, if you don't offer sheet Matt Barzal, you're just not a good GM. I'm sorry. They have. I think I saw today they have eight million to sign Pulak, Barzal, and some other guy. Was it Bolivier? Yeah, I think Bolivier is the same. Because he's uh, 2015, same time as uh, Barzell. So, I mean... So, they're both RFAs? I think so. Yeah, their cap is not looking pretty. Barzell should make more than eight by himself. So, someone has to send an offer sheet his way. And next year, um, now that they signed Sororkin, he's going to be a uh, RFA. Yeah, they got him on two mil for next year, but then he's a free agent. Well, he's still an RFA, but... Right, but yeah, it's still like he they only got one year out of him this year. Like his rookie deal is only one year, which kind of mm-hmm. is weird. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be wild to see like how they somehow cap finagle it because between them, um, it's gonna be weird how like Flyers because look how much the money they spent and they had locked up between like I think a couple of their. I think they had four skaters that were like combined, four forwards that combined for like a 32 mil cap hit between uh, JVR, Hayes, uh, Drew, and Voracek. So they're really going to have like cap worries when Provorov and all them come up. One point, yeah. yeah and, uh, I guess uh, one my thing to make clear on uh, Sorkin's contract, uh, it's a Pretty weird to see it be called a future one-year deal for the following season as the KHL season has been long since over and the NHL's uh, still ragging on in the process and really speaks volume to uh, to the performance of the Islanders' top two uh, goalies in net as we speak, particularly after <laughs> particularly after considering the fact what they uh, how their disputes fell with uh, Robin Lehner. Oh, why were um. On the topic of Sorokin, how sick is it going to be to see uh, Kaprizov in the NHL next year? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Like, that was the one thing that really is going to help the Wild. I, I thought for a while that, like, he wouldn't even come over from for Minnesota, that he would just hold out and eventually just leave as a free, um, 
as a free agent. But yeah, it's going to be so awesome to see him play with Minnesota. It actually looks like with him, Fiala, and if uh, Greenway gets going, uh, they have a really good core. For once, it feels if they can, but even then, they have to w- deal with the uh, contracts of. Uh, you know who? <laughs> exactly. The two contracts that like destroyed them in July of 2012. If they could have gotten rid of, somehow gotten rid of one of them this past year, they would be really set. But make it look to the future. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking at their cap situation kind of right now. And although, yeah, like it's, it is pretty rough. It's not, they, they don't, they don't have a lot of money tied up in buyouts. No, they have no money tied up in buyouts from here on out. So if they're willing to eat a little bit of money on one of those contracts, I don't see why that would be a problem. Yeah. There are no yeah I mean, buyouts yeah. in this CBA, right? Yeah, no courtesy buyout. Yep, never mind. Yeah, that was the last, uh, I think the last um, CBA, the one for that we had like the lockout over in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I was like hoping that there'd be just a random amnesty buyout, like, oh, everyone gets another gimme. It's only two, compl- is it two complacent ones, if that's the right term? One, I think it is. You only have the one from from like 20, 2014 or whatever it was. 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And you were allowed to use it up, up through 2015, right? You were allowed to use yeah. it? Yeah. Could have used another mulligan. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felt, uh... Well, no more Yarmir Yagers. That was at least yeah. a trade, but you you, get, you catch my drift. Yeah, but there, you wouldn't... We also know that Stan Bowman, the absolute god of a GM, also went to one of the greatest schools in the country, if not the greatest school in the country, would have found a way to get Chicago out of another cap hell situation, but... Just, just you know, throwing it out there. That's all. Stan Bowman went to Lebanon Valley. That's in, that's interesting. He went to the Harvard. That. He went to the Harvard of Pennsylvania Community Colleges. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Back up. OBC <laughs> is not a community college. All right. Disrespectful. No, no, no. We're not starting that bullshit. <laughs> but if we're talking Sorry. about Pennsylvania, glorified community colleges in Pennsylvania, there's another owner that would certainly find a way to screw up his cap situation. Terry Pakula or Terry Pakula of uh, oh, Penn State. Beautiful. Did. Yeah. One other factor uh, delved into the CBA was the escrow. It said it hasn't been hasn't been killed, but it is uh, certainly been capped. We saw Temi Panarin uh, raise awareness to this before the resumption of the season took place. For those who might not be so sure, reading from ESPN, escrow is the percentage of a player's salary withheld each season in order to maintain the 50-50 revenue split between owners and players. There's an imbalance for the owners. Escrow can make up the difference and then the rest of the withholdings are returned to the players after the season. The holding for 2018-2019 was 12.9% and a quarter, and about a quarter of that was returned to the players. So the official loss for the players in that past season was uh, 9.65%. So. <laughs> to talk more on uh, play, how much that's going to factor into revenue as well. And, that's stupid. Right? That's stupid. 
if you sign the player to a contract, you pay the player their contract. It's not that difficult. Yeah, yeah it's kind of straightforward. <laughs> if it's not a 50-50 split, maybe the owner has to decide, does he want more money in his pocket or does he want a winning team? Make it simple. You know, yeah. and then if they don't like it and they're not making enough money, sell. Get an owner who cares. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm still bitter about the Will Ponzi's mm-hmm. or anything, but... No, you're, no you make make fabulous points. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. You like, I'm pretty sure I saw something the other day that the NHL is one of the, I mean, everyone pretty much knows it's one of the fastest growing leagues just because of how popular hockey, hockey has become. Like, unless you just bought a franchise in the last three years, which, unless I'm wrong, is pretty much only Vegas, like, your investment from when you bought the team has at least doubled, probably tripled, probably quadrupled. So, and, he, and even the case of Vegas, theirs, like, like theirs has easily skyrocketed the most of anything because yeah. they bought the franchise and right away they put together a winning franchise three straight really yeah three straight uh or two out of three um division titles and three straight trips to the playoffs like every team so far has somehow made money throughout this whole thing or like somehow increased profits they haven't exactly some of them may not have made money but they've increased profits in the last few years like you said yeah you factor that in with the growth of the game plus the growth of the economy over the past five years up until the pandemic hit and those those are two dual powers Mm -hmm. i just looked it up since salary cap came in it was back in 05 right correct of the right year 0506 correct the salary cap has increased 42 and a half million dollars holy that's That's double it's doubled yeah Yeah. (laughs) that is 15 years that's more than double that's 2.0 nine percent roughly based on the math that i'm doing right here 2.089 or 200 208.97 yeah, say wait a second yeah i'm <laughs> yeah that was real bad 200 <laughs> basically 209 percent right if you're telling me that the inflation of the u.s economy has gone up only like what is it isn't like capped at like 1.2 percent per year or whatever the, that number is this this freaking NBA math course has got me all like in a mental pretzel. It's real bad. Um, <laughs> but regardless, you have doubled the NHL salary cap. If you're doubling the salary cap in 15 years, you can't tell me that the investments haven't or the investment and in what teams are worth haven't at least doubled. Just about all of them probably should. I mean, yeah. Taken, I, I, I mean, like taken to taken into a factor. <laughs> Ted Leonsis's investment. Uh, you know, like the Penguins' investment over the past 15 years, and like yeah, you could go on and on. Black the Blackhawks too, like the Kings as well. And it's an endless list. Everybody's involved. Exactly. So just if the owners want to make some more money, then figure out a way to get the money. You pay the players. The players are the ones who are bringing in people. Ding but ding also, ding. Like ticket prices too. You could lower. I can guarantee you, if you lowered some prices on things, more people would buy them. Higher volume in sales most likely means you're going to bring in a, hard, a larger revenue. Because the hardest part about ticket prices is that they sell for so much on the secondary market that the teams yeah. don't really see enough of the revenue from that. That's yeah. It's like Which they only have. There's only so much control they have. Yeah. Which is true. The primary. 
on the contrary, for the people that get pissed off, I'm probably going to trigger a few people here, about like fake jerseys, getting them from China, you're making a shit ton of money on an actual jersey. Because the ones that are coming over from overseas, if they're that cheap, I understand you got to pay for labor, you got to pay for this, you got to pay for that. But to charge $300 for an authentic jersey, when in reality you could charge 200 and double your sales? Just a thought. I mean, throwing it out there, if I'm doing maybe that math right, you're, no, if totally you're doubling like, your sales, you're pulling 50% profit on each one. I totally like your thinking. Like, find ways to make more money that would make the fans happy that to spend that money. Otherwise, you're going to get people to say, screw it. I'm going to support my team in a, in a different way. I'm just going to wear it. If you want to get mad at somebody for getting a an overseas jersey, well, who's the sucker? Who's paying for the $300 jersey with no name on the back versus somebody who some young kid who idolizes this player and parent was able to get it for cheap. So yeah, mine's authentic. I got mine from the NHL store. You got yours from overseas. Ha ha. Tongue stuck out at you. But <laughs> the kid's day is made and who's the, who's bank account still intact. So, yeah. I mean, as long as oh. there's not like a random Q in the name, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's totally different. You know? I don't know. I, uh, I only have, boy, I guess, I guess I only have, three hockey jerseys nowadays maybe five if you include ones that don't fit me anymore necessarily but yeah me personally like if i i don't really wear jerseys just because like not my style i just get the hats and like if, if i'm gonna get a 25 dollar hat like i might as well just get that rather than getting a jersey from china than spending that's gonna take mm-hmm. about nine months to ship I'm good with team ones of my favorite teams, and I kind of just halted at that. If there's if there's maybe a player I'm such a big fan of, or would even go as far as knowing personally, then maybe I would drop a bank on that. But yeah, I'm pretty good with just my favorite teams that I rep. Yeah, it can can cost me less money to rep them in the same almost the same way. Exactly. Uh, I guess uh. Again, Money's. I'm sorry. I just totally derailed that one. That was that was a bad derailment on my end. Yeah, that was came, come here, yeah, come in here late and just take over. <laughs> Do you not feel bad? I mean, just take over money. You say another factor on money is the minimum salary for an NHL player will remain at 7k for 700k. Pardon, 700k for next season, and then will then rise to. Three, three quarters of a million for the next two seasons following that. And then and then the three seasons starting in 20, 2023-24, it will raise up to $775,000. Uh, another fun snippet here. According to Cap Friendly, that will lead you to some interesting accounting for guys you wouldn't expect. As this says... Mitch Marner is going to see an extra $25,000 added to his contract in 2025, given that his contract is paid mostly in salary bonuses. Huh. Nice pay raise, Mitch. <laughs> As if you don't make enough. a guy who held out. No. Ye- wait. Yep. I was going to say both him and Neilander, correct? Yeah. For- yeah, I forgot it wasn't just one. Well, I mean, I guess that's a big... 
deal for like AHL guys who are going to be on like two way deals, but I mean, 25k doesn't really change anyone's cap situation. I felt no. the more interesting thing was actually uh, the ELC was went up to a million instead of 925, I think, which is actually pretty interesting because if you're a team like the Rangers where you're gonna um, sign like a lot of prospects in the future. I wonder if you're going to sign them now so that their ELCs, again, it's only like 75K, but their ELC would be less money mm-hmm. if you sign them now than if you signed it in, um, I guess it was 2022. 20... Is the year it went up? 20. It was two seasons. I thought it was 21, 22. All right, so yeah, but I mean, I guess it doesn't really make much of a difference, but if it's like three or four guys, that's three million. That's a whole like third line forward. You're really hovering in closely, and you have to make some moves. It could, obviously, yep. but yeah, I would believe you. It doesn't really all that much. <laughs> Just a fun snippet to look at. <laughs> Another factor in is uh, no trade and no movement clause will now travel with a player who is traded. As you might imagine, when Subban was uh, traded to Nashville, just 48 hours before his no trade clause was to kick in, the Preds ended up declining his honor to honor that clause which they were able to do on the previous CBA, and then eventually got moved to New Jersey three seasons later. That can no longer happen, as no move and no trade clauses are simply a part of the package when trading for a player. So not exactly much of a... It would be a bit harder to uh, have a Mike Hoffman trade for trade for in this scenario. I mean, it makes sense, sort of, in the sense that, like, in years past, they basically did that. Um, I know that I forget who was that honored. Was it the was it the Rangers that like honored Nash's uh, no trade clause? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. that's why like stupidest I mean, move they could have done. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was talking about the trade. My bad. Fuck. Well, it was a. Uh, it wasn't fully a no trade clause. It's like a ten team list, so it's just easier. I mean, his no and his trade brought us. Um, Spooner that got us Strom, it got us Kendra Miller, and um, like a whole litany of other good players. So, to this yeah, day, it was, uh, it was uh, we got Lindgren out of it. Um, we did good business out of that deal. Exactly, with his uh, trash ass delivery car. Yeah, I kind of want to see the trade tree out of the Butchnevich trade. Somehow, it also got it led to them getting Panarin, and then Panarin eventually signs with us. Yeah, that's definitely a breakdown that I want to I want to explore more into. Matt, since you have the most time on your hands, uh, you know, since the SEC doesn't have classes, you want to make the trade tree? I will definitely look into that. Fantastic. I, I feel like I've seen one that goes like, we who did we trade for Nash? It was like, it was Anisimov, uh, Dubinsky, and Erickson. Dubinsky and, and first. No, it was an Erickson. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen a trade tree that goes back to like 2000, and it starts, and then it ends in like the Rick Nash trade. I don't yeah, know which piece in that. The Brian Lee's trade to the Leafs, I think, had some ties to that as well. Yeah, and Erickson himself, I think, what we got from Calgary that uh, in 2014, or no, 2012, sorry, in 2012, earlier that year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I will check that out. Don't forget Did about you? don't forget about a uh, Capitals legend, uh, Rostislav Klesla. So, 
That is very, very true. That is true. A couple uh, critical dates to follow up upon. The uh, Stanley Cup final for this year, assuming it, it gets played, will begin September 22nd and, and no later than October 4th. The uh, infamous draft will be held October 9th and 10th. Free agency will begin a week, a solid week, uh, seven days in this to be specific, after the final ends. Now, one Training quick game before you go on, one yep. quick question there. I saw that you can't talk to free agents now bef- until, like, the actual, like, quote-unquote July 1st date. Uh, like, there's no pre-talk yeah, period? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the free agency interview period is gone. Okay, so we're just going to have some absolute chaos from here on out, correct? We're going back to actual frenzy? Like, just calling people just like as groups. soon as 12 o'clock hits? Yep. Because technically, if you talk to somebody, isn't that if you're in violation of CBA, you're going to lose probably draft picks. You're going to lose other. You're going to have fines. Everyone will now have a press slate at noon when the new league year starts. And then everybody's phone should be constantly buzzing that day, per se, which will lead to better television and a, wait for it, actual free agency frenzy. ESPN so so claims. Yeah, I can't wait to call off that day just to, like, watch the uh, free agency frenzy. Because that was one thing, like, the last couple of years on July 1st, I mean, really, like, a lot of things were spoiled right before noon of July 1st, so it didn't really, I, like, yeah. I think the only one that it took until, like, 1 o'clock to actually sign was um, Tavares to um, the Leafs. The Leafs, yeah. Because before then, Yeah, like, it wasn't, Pan- Panarin was right at 12. I yeah. When Shattenkirk happened, that was that one was later than twelve. Shattenkirk yeah. was like three o'clock. Yeah, yeah. that one. But it was leaked in the morning. Like Kevin Weeks, like leaked it. Plus, it was on a Saturday, so it doesn't really like have the same oomph of like middle of the day when I'm out when some of us are at work and suddenly we get a notification we're like, oh crap, and here we go. And I guess like basically what we're all we're gonna have like for the one week leading up to it is just a bunch of like stupid rumors <laughs> from yeah, yeah, uh, all yeah. the from all the people who uh, changed their accounts to NHL Insider insert name here. Exactly, NHL Insider Fred Richard is making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see who specifically is going to be like available besides Petrangelo that I can remember. Uh, isn't Tory Krug a free agent? Yeah, he's a free agent this year. Um, yep, Tori Krug is. That's correct. Um, Holtby. Holtby. Yeah, I'm trying to look at other names that are not like. I know like a couple. I know Corey Crawford's one. Ryan Callahan. Crawford's a free agent. Going to be a free agent. I can't think. There's a couple other names too that are on. Didn't there. Ryan Callahan retire? Oh, we're, yeah. we're forgetting. Uh, we're forgetting number one overall pick guy. How, how did I forget that one? No, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you better believe he's going to be in there. Yeah, I'm trying. But other than that, like, who would you say is the big name then this year? Uh, I mean, there really aren't any. It's a pretty lackluster. Probably, I mean, probably Holtby. But... Holtby yeah. and Hall? Because you know Petrangelo is going to end up going back to St. Louis. Let's be real. Yeah. That's, Are they going to be able to afford that's him Petrangelo? Yeah, they like, can. Okay. Just want to double check. Mm-hmm. But Taylor Hall, 28 years old, you know he's going to get paid. Well, unless he stays in... Apparently, they, they're talking about a one-year deal to stay yeah. in uh, Arizona. Why one? They what? don't pay him? They don't want to give him a long-term... Arizona, like, refuses to do, like, a long-term deal or something like that. Interesting. Got to leave money open for Matthews. That, that's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some solid names. Yeah, um... 
like Hoffman and Barry, I think. Galchenyuk uh, is a UFA. Toffoli and Dadnov. This isn't too bad. Wait, did Shattenkirk only sign a one-year deal? Because it says here he's a free agent. Yeah, yeah, he only signed one year. Damn. All right, well, Shaddy. <laughs> bring him back. Yeah, uh, back yeah, to might, the, yeah, might as well. Yeah, oh. touching up on dates is uh, training camp would, for 2020-2021 season begins the 17th of November, and then the very next season is slated to begin the December 1st. So a little shorter, quote-unquote, off-season, even though just What's the date? four months off. Training camp, the 17th. Of October? November. November, okay. And then season starts when? December 1. It is going to run through May? They did not... They didn't say anything about how they're going to do that. I think that's a uh, topic for after this season. Gotcha. Lots of, pe- uh, lots of people say that they want to do 82 games to like keep all the revenue and whatnot. I mean, I don't know how you're going to squeeze that yeah. and without necessarily the final going into July. I mean, that's what we're kind of doing now. So, I mean, if you think about it, having the final go into July, it's not that bad. Just yeah. players are going to get beat up. I mean, as long as, as, long as the final isn't in... Arizona or Dallas on a hundred and four like hundred degree day outside, then you you can probably keep the ice. Even then, I just feel like I don't know. It would be cool to just have like next year to get things back. Next year, do another like sixty something game season, and then the year after that, we're back on track to like start up normal. I to- yeah, I totally understand that, and there's a part of me that feels the same way, but I totally understand why. Hey. You can take advantage of the sort of or sort of the quiet period in baseball, and although if the cup, although if the cup final goes to July, then yeah, I mean, obviously now obviously I'm not saying people would care so much about the MLB All Star Game, but it's just one thing to consider, just in terms of what fans might want to do or. Like I said, this really shouldn't be an issue, but it might be a question. It's like, okay, do we really feel like going this far, that far, or whatnot? And you'd imagine whatever the NHL does, the NBA is probably going to follow suit, or one of the leagues is going to follow up each other. So, so right. if December 1 is the date, you're going to lose technically six weeks mm-hmm. in the season, right? Like seven. So seven weeks. If you play the extra four weeks right there alone, add in the extra month, that's going to take you to, what, May 1st? For a playoff start? Correct. And then you just run a 5-7-7. You're going to finish right around July 1st. Like a uh, five-game conference final. Or not conference final. Um, first round. Jeez, I just butchered that one. You just um, said that. Are you saying that NHL would go to basically what baseball does? Not entirely. In the concept of the first round being five games and everything else being seven, yes. But obviously... Baseball only has the DS, the CS, and World Series, whereas you're going to have quarterfinals and then conference semis and then conference finals. I mean, so the, NHL is, the NHL is trying to keep that revenue going up. The last thing they're going to do is shorten the playoffs. They won't short. Well, do they want to give enough of an offseason to the players? Because eventually the players are going to say, we need enough of an offseason. So a good Certainly. compromise. a good compromise could be say, hey, we'll cut off three weeks in the season and cut off two playoff games 
So it's a five-game series, so now everything's going to matter a lot more. And then go 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven from there. Because then, if you think about it, cutting out those two games, somebody gets swept, somebody gets swept. It's just like you're going to finish it. And how many of the first-round game or first-round series really go seven? A lot of them. Like, at half? Not recently, they haven't gone seven. Close to it? Pretty sure it's close uh, to it. Boston last year against... Toronto, Caps Keynes. Um, was Caps that Andy? Was that was that two two, or was that three one? How many? That was two two. Then Toronto two, two. won Game Five. Caps yeah, Keynes. So Caps. Both series were two two. Yeah. So if they're if they're all two two, then Game Five is the winner take all game. How much different is it? I mean, again, because seven games is totally different because it becomes a three game series after that. Being able to take away those two games, Game Five is the Game Seven. All the games still mean just as much, only for that round. The problem to is, it. like, you took away then the eventual Cub runner-up and then the the two teams basically that face each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both of them would have gotten knocked out because of this new scenario. And you like, should have beat the team in front of you. And I, I know I've said it from the start. From, from episode one, I think I even said it. You beat the teams that are in front of you, and you win the games you should have won early on in the year, and you wouldn't be in the, oh, well, we could have done this, we could have done that. Because how many teams win game five that go on to win the series do you if we have a stat on that that would be a good actually i'm gonna look that up for the next episode i'm gonna look up how many teams in the past we'll say when was the last cba 2013 yeah so rough relatively modern ish era look up how many of those teams have won game five that have gone on to lost to lose the series if it's if 90 percent of the teams that win game five go on to win the series what real difference does it kind of make at a 10%? Because, yeah, you might have somebody who's in the Easter Conference final, but you got to win game five at that point. I don't know. I've just built up energy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, it's just a matter it just of like, I'm, yeah, Different. I'm just thinking oh, like looking at, especially last year, where basically the two teams that went to game five and wound up losing, like, game, or wound up winning game five lost the series eventually in Toronto and. Washington, and then like years before, look at like the reverse sweep in uh, from uh, 2014. Yeah, that one was just all thanks to Game Five, basically swinging in favor of um, Los Angeles. Exactly. Then you have like years where it was a three to one. All the three to one series leads got blown. Um, it's just it's something that like taking out seven. I mean, it's just that's. You can't really take out an extra playoff game in hockey. It just feels weird. Like I can understand not to, that. I mean, it's just like looking at it from like a traditionalist standpoint. Like I can understand if you like in this scenario, this year when they were doing to do a play in. Yeah, just do five because it's different. It's not an actual playoff. It's a play in. You want to do a five for this best of five. But when your actual playoffs are seven and it's built on doing like. Uh, like a best of, I mean that's like as old as time it would be best of seven for the uh, semifinal best of seven for a Stanley Cup final in the original six days then after that they expanded and kept expanding but every round that they expanded would be except for like the early years where it was like 25 or 21 teams were in the league 16 made it the first round would be five then but then they expanded it to now where it's been established that uh, it's 16 wins to win the cup which i can i could see i'm just gonna just again just gonna throw this idea out there all right 
So we say December 1st start date, right? And we said seven weeks, roughly six to seven weeks. Seven. So roughly what? Seven games? Because you think we'll assume every other day. You have a Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for one week, then a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? Yeah. For so two weeks. It's about seven games, maybe Seven eight. every two. Yep. So if you have a 75-game season and the first round of the playoffs be best of five, you're able to get that season done by July 1st, roughly. Your draft happens after that, and then you could head into a roughly accelerated campaign the year afterwards. You figure you could start the season October 20th, which one week, and you just have teams going to have to play a little bit, a few more extra back-to-backs to fully recover. And again, it would suck for the players. I am not trying to have a fan's perspective because that's a lot of skating with a, not a lot of rest. But my major question before like, I go off the rails again, because I've done that already once or twice before, would you accept that as a legitimate season? A 75-game season, regular season, and the first round being best of five. Would you accept the Stanley Cup champion that year? Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, we Honestly, all accepted the, what, 40? Yeah, the 40. We all accept the 48-game uh, season and Stanley Cup champion Devils and Blackhawks. So well, the debate well, of we, we limiting the first round to five games has been debated a bit over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. People talk about, it's like, hmm, is this, like, a lot for the players? It's like they play so much and all that. Like, I do totally understand that. It's personally what I'm used to. Honestly, mm-hmm. I felt like if they did go to five games in the first round, I would probably get used to it eventually. It would well, only for the one, only, year. one thing to that consider year, though, it's that, I mean, we just couldn't, we wouldn't be able to talk much about how, Oh, you need 16 wins. Like it would, it would just feel weird. I mean, when looking at all time stats, but that only means so much in the current year. So mm-hmm. well, my really thing is like one. the regular season is what's going to determine you making the playoffs. Do you want as long of a regular season without jeopardizing a lot of the playoffs as possible? In my opinion, would you rather have a 70-game regular season and 16 wins to the Cup or a 75-game regular season and 15 wins to the Cup? See the difference? See, this is the basis of my art. Again, there's no right or wrong answer here. Just asking the question. In my opinion, I'd rather a have a 75-game season because those extra five games are the difference between the Columbus Blue Jackets getting in and sweeping the number one team versus the number one team ending up sweeping somebody who barely snuck in because that got saved by the bell, quote unquote, because of a 70 game season. So it's kind of like almost the anti argument of what you guys had mentioned, where coming back from a three to one lead or um, winning game or losing game five and coming back to win six and seven. And again, I just, if I can get those numbers, that would definitely kind of help for my own point of view for a 75 game regular season. But Again, the premise is having those extra five games makes it all that much more worth it for the bubble teams, and you're going to have a lot more bubble teams that yeah, can totally, make more yeah, noise I totally understand that. than the personally, sure fire I, top three. Yeah, personally, I have personally I've got like favorable opinions on both sides, so it's absolutely really hard, and again, really hard, good, it's really hard for me game. to really think of one, and I might just what I might want is only going to have so much control on what the league decides to do in October, mm-hmm. so. Andy, what would you choose? Also, like, um, honestly, I'm like I, I definitely understand it from like that perspective. I, I, I still, it's just like uh, it's one of those things. Like I, st- I, on the one hand, they do have both pros and cons. Because on the one hand, the league will probably make. You also have to figure out which one the league will make more money over multiple regular season games 
or having one more playoff game per series, or at least one more to one to three more playoff series games. Yeah, more regular season, could, more regular season games because you'll have all all thirty now two markets playing. True. The only thing is then with that. Uh, well, this would it would only be thirty one. Yeah, I was gonna, would, yeah, I was gonna say Seattle's in, uh, not till twenty one. No, but yeah. it would be. Oh, they're, oh, shoot, 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 you're right, my bad. Yeah, but the, but still, even then, like, will they have fans in attendance? Because then if fans can go, then that would probably swing it more towards the extra regular season games. And um, will they also be able to, like, with all this stuff? Um, the only thing also, like, just from a sort of historical, like, look at it and kind of just um, trying to figure out, it's going to suck to like have to see so many players that especially like the last few years, they got shafted out of being able to set records. Look how many uh, players were that could have been in the record books had season after season get absolutely shortened based off of everything that's going gone on. And now that you say that I would probably be in favor of a 75 game schedule to increase the chances of another 50 goal season for Alex Ovechkin, which was robbed of us this past spring March. Well, technically, oh, you guys are top four, aren't you? I you think are- all, I think, I think all stats are final. Yeah. They, they closed the regular season. These play in yeah. games, I think are yeah, going like, to go in a different category. We're Metro division champs. So. They should put in the regular season stats into the or not um the playing round stats, robin yeah round robin yeah and the round robin put into too. regular season stats come on honestly even honestly even do the qualifying honestly even do the qualifying round well that's, yeah, yeah saying round robin and qualifying because if it's not the playoffs it's the regular season yeah I mean unfortunately we might not be able to convince them to do that but I mean you can you can place your you can place your bets on uh, the certain moves that the league would make man I'm sure Dan is a uh, eerily familiar with uh, making certain decisions like that. Yeah. Speaking of placing bets. So um, let me start off by saying I took $500 with me. I gave $100 to the man of the hour, obviously. And with those $400, we laid it all on the line. We put all of it on chips. And we walked out of there with $425, so we're up 25, boys. This guy right here that, you, that you're talking to, on the craps table, don't remember any of it, was blacked out. Literally was drinking vodka crayons left and right. Impossible. Drink ladies, drink ladies were getting tired of me. I can guarantee you that Impossible. they were getting tired of me. I'm sitting in there in my lower D-League jersey. Why? I just felt like being an asshole and wanted to wear it. Probably reeks because I don't know, even know if I, the last time I washed it. 1.30 in the morning, apparently I met up with the rest of the guys at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I walked off of that table that first night even. The next day, right back to the same table, kept going, kept going, kept going, up 25. You know what you might say? Oh, shoot, what, like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he only up $25? Listen, you go sit at a craps table for at least six and a half, seven hours, and go win that money. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. We're going to ignore my blackjack. That that was something else. Um, I've never had so many 20s where the dealer ended up just getting lucky and getting 21. Or I would double down on 11, end up getting 19, and then the dealer would pull a 20 out of his ass. You know, it's, again, I'm not bitter or anything, just, just stating thoughts. But, you know, other than that, though, great weekend. Um, 
did have a little bit of drama on Saturday night, but uh, I had to deal with that earlier, hence why I wasn't on during the recording. Still, regardless, fun weekend, had some good food, drank way too many beers. Apparently, one of the guys that was in our group found a wheelchair, and he was getting pushed around, and apparently somebody thought that he was crippled and bought him more drinks, and <laughs> it turns out he was pretty crippled after that. <laughs> well, that's common um, for you. <laughs> that is... That is true. Uh, I actually put it, posted it in our group chat. I'll have to see. Uh, maybe I can post a picture of it. We found him. We had no idea where he was. All the beds were taken because we only had uh, we had two rooms adjacent to each other, uh, two double queens. And we were like, where the hell is Cal? We can't find him. <laughs> Turns out he was knocked in the closet. <laughs> and I posted the picture. He was literally like. You showed, slumped, like ugh, yeah, you showed us that, right? Half laying down. Yeah. Half sitting up, half laying down. It was. It was an incredible picture to wake up to, and we actually had a bet, too. First to lose $300, had to finish an entire bottle of champagne with, you had as much orange juice as you wanted in five minutes. This idiot, the one who we found in our closet, decided, you know what? I'm bringing 300 to the blackjack table, and I'm going to double my money here. Ten minutes in, all of it gone. So, so, so I guess we were all wrong on your over of... What do we think? We thought you were, you were going to lose over $700? I thought that I was going to walk away with, like, a pink slip on my car. Like, <laughs> like, I have, like, waiting for the repo guy to, like, take it, and I'm going to have to, like, hitchhike home, and who even knows what I have to do to get home at that Damn point. Me. And then, what was it? Everybody, I guess, how many drinks did it uh, take you to uh, pass out? Because oh, that was the out. other over-under. Right, so, here's where it gets dicey, all right? So we started at 7.30-ish. So we went to a steakhouse, you know, had had to have a nice dinner for the first night, you know, like, because it's the only time that we're going to be sober together. And I was driving, so I had just one Guinness. We drove back, and I guess I was passed out after. I didn't really eat that much besides that. So I guess, like, 6 or 7 was when I was, like, starting to, to get a little bit on the, the, the wobbly line. You, you know what I'm talking about. That was probably at 6 or 7, but then we had those... um. The little smelling like salts, you know, like that you have on the bench. Mm-hmm. It turns out I had them in my hockey bag, so I figured like, why not? Like they're probably going to come in useful. So do you count that as a pass out then? Because like I was dead tired, but we cracked it and then I was ready to go. Well, we were talking about over under on drinks, so we weren't exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't specify. What we you did were... not. Huh. So okay. Technically, does that sound like it took you six? I mean, six or seven is when I started to feel like, wow, I could use a nap. If I'm not mistaken, did I take the under on seven? I think you might have. Because everybody else, everybody took the over on both things, but it sounds like you got under on one thing, which if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I might have hammered the only correct answer here. Hello? We'll have to go back, Hello? On, the, uh, we'll have to go back and listen and then update on, on our Twitter account, which should be up soon. Speaking of which, um, social call. media correspondent Andy, where where are we on that? I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't um, we? Uh, yeah, wait, aren't we uh, still? Well, I guess uh, we weren't exact. We haven't exactly put much effort into it because we don't feel like sort of starting anew unless we have the logo. Naturally, I know demand is that's, high, that's but where it was. bingo. That's my reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Uh, how many more drinks you got left? Well, considering that rolling in here, it's Taco Tuesday, and Taco Tuesday also means Margarita Tuesday. 
It's been a day. Hmm. Well, I mean, is there anything for you to and teach you can, us? Uh, in this teach long us day? off of that. Any chance? Yeah. Any lesson off of that? Of course. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. Oh um, boy. Hang a te- you falling asleep on the job? What are you thinking about? Dude, this this man right here, he's he's definitely like he's ready to start singing tequila at the bar again. Who? Yeah. Oh, you're gonna sing any yeah, any listeners that are out there, if you're gonna sing any karaoke song, tequila is definitely the song to sing. Exactly. We have video proof of it happening at the bar that I happen to go to today. But oh, um, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Again, once you get the social media stuff up and running, we'll, we'll make sure that's posted. You're gonna have like a picture of me crippled in a bed. Oh, I forgot. To, before any of you go, I forgot to mention this one. So like, I'm all hyped up. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm pumped that I won like most of my money back um, after going down 200 in blackjack. I shouldn't have said that number. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I made it all back on craps. Like I'm pumped up, ready to go. I'm like, you know okay, what? Okay. Give it if I come six. back down 100, I'm gonna be perfectly fine. Like I'm ready to go. We're getting ready to watch the Masvidal fight. It's round one. Like I'm talking like with the boys. Like I'm ready to go. Just pounding back whiskey, and all of a sudden, I just fell asleep. I don't remember falling asleep. I woke up in the chair, just completely slumped over. Slept for like a solid six hours, just in the chair. Couldn't tell you how I did it. I just did. And I talked to my buddy a little bit ago when we were dealing with this other BS. And he told me, he's like, yeah, like you were pumped up. You're ready to go. You're like, you know, what? I'm taking a, I'm taking 125 down there. If I end up going down 100, like I'm perfectly fine. But I know what I'm doing at this table. Like I got this. Who's coming down? Like I'm like, we're engaging, having debates. And then next thing you know, just snap, I'm out. Unless you take a shot to the head. I feel like it's kind of hard to not even remember passing out. It was honestly... They all said that it was one of the most impressive things that they've seen. Well, I mean, I'd also downed half a bottle of Jack Daniels after pounding <laughs> back bruised oh. left and right. <laughs> yeah, uh, safe to say that this weekend was something else. And uh, good thing that we got the rooms comped to us and we didn't have them in our name because, like, then again, like, hotel workers have probably seen a lot worse. But when they walk in there, they're going to be like, what the actual fuck happened in here? <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, sorry for again. That's like the third hijack that I've had. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, a lot. There's a lot for you to ramble on. I mean, we I, want I to. We want to hear on. your voice. I, I need. I need to learn something from the wise words of, of Mr. Andy over here. Well, this actually really ties in with the fact that of your stories of your weekend, um, folks. If I've taught you anything, it's this: there are many foods you can have with a hangover. Please don't make them sushi. <laughs> that is. Like, top three worst foods you could possibly decide, hey, I'm going to try and eat this while I have a poor, like, pounding headache and my stomach is in knots. Let's just go ahead and try and put this up to my mouth. Nope, it's not going in there. Because, <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying that, is it's better to, better to drop 26 bucks on Chick-fil-A. Oh, it is most certainly better. Chick-fil-A oh, is, yeah, like, yeah. a top three Chick-fil-A. hangover food. That is also yeah. true. I've Not never eaten sushi, but damn, that feels feels like I really did learn a lot. I'm tempted yeah, I, to try it. Like honestly, I'm tempted to give it a shot. You you don't want to. Like <laughs> I, I I just warned you this. Right. <laughs> it, it is a life lesson. My, and I did ask for the life lesson. Exactly. Do my words mean nothing? <laughs> <laughs> no, your words hurt. Exactly. <laughs> Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will leave emotional scars. <laughs> Incredible. Well, lads, I think that is going to wrap things up on this fine day. We hope you 
enjoyed some of the in-depth uh, breakdowns of the new CBA and more rambling of the nonsense with, with which we do in our lives. And if you really enjoy us sharing it with them, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. There really is not much you can ask for. We else can ask for. That is true. I'm going to go crap up, crack open another brew. I can't even talk. You know, I just end this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your uh, Enjoy your uh, coming weekend, boys. Peace. Yeah, you guys.